Welcome to another episode of On The Mic, the brand new podcast show by Yahoo Singapore. If you're new to podcasts, you can use the player to start, pause and scroll through the recording. You can also continue to browse the internet in other tabs. I'm your host, Dani Osman, and today's episode is part two of our feature on family violence during the COVID-19 pandemic. My guest today is Ms. Christine Lam, the lead social worker with Care Corner Project Start. We spoke about the pandemic's impact on victims of family violence and what's being done to help them. While this interview was conducted before the circuit breaker was lifted on June 1st, much of the information still applies given the ongoing situation that many victims are still facing. So without further delay, here's our conversation. Hi Christine, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. So before we start, uh, could you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Okay, I am Christine from Care Corner Projects at one of the Family Violence Specialist Centre in Singapore. I'm the lead social worker in the agency. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm looking to talk today about family violence during the COVID-19 pandemic. So for a start, how does your organisation define family violence? We share the same definition as um, what is stated in the law, the Women's Charter, where family violence is defined as when one party is causing hurt on the other party, threatened to hurt, wrongful confinement or continuous harassment. So as social workers, um, we'll be looking out for actions such as like physical violence, hitting someone, caning, belting, or like slapping, psychological abuse, such as threaten to kill someone, threaten to hurt someone, or saying that I will make life difficult, you watch out. Emotional abuse, such as demeaning the victim, calling them names, saying nasty things on them, using vulgarities on them, or harassing behavior, such as calling someone repeatedly, sending nasty messages, or like turning up in front of them at their door at where they meet others at their workplace unexpectedly. And looking at the big picture, have you noticed any trends in family violence over the years? So in terms of um, issues of family violence in Singapore, over the last few years, we do see an increasing trend in numbers of reported cases of family violence. Most of the cases that we serve are facing issue of like intimate partners violence, most of them are either like married couples or couples who have um, recently divorced. And we do see an increasing number of um, child abuse cases and also abuse of um, elderly and persons with disability. And what do you think is fueling this increase in cases that you're seeing? We are we are suspecting that it is due to higher um, awareness because previously it tends to be the victim themselves or like social services such as hospitals, police who report um, cases of violence to our centre. But right now we are seeing more and more reports from the general public such as friends, neighbours, uh, extended family members or even like religious leaders calling in to ask for help. Now moving on to the pandemic, uh, have you seen more domestic violence cases since it began? We have been receiving more phone calls um, that are asking for help with relating to uh, relating to this issue. Do you think this rise has been triggered by the pandemic or the circuit breaker measures? We are thinking the rise in the number, uh, there may be two main reasons. One is definitely greater uh, awareness of the general public about the issue of um, family violence. And the other is related to the circuit breaker measures itself. So like 
on social media, we are seeing like those overseas articles that talk about the positive correlation between family violence and lockdown worldwide. And we do have like um people calling in to ask us if their friends are experiencing this thing, they knew that they have not reported and they're not ready, what can they actually do? We also have like ministers um coming on screen sharing that if you know of anyone who need help, they are here for you. Uh, step forward and seek help. Um, Ministry of Social and Family Development has also been screening the Break the Silence campaign video, asking uh, victims to come forward. And community agencies like mine have also been telling people, if you know someone, it is okay if you're not sure whether they are really experiencing issue of violence. Call first. We talk, we talk through with you, then we decide what to do next. It's okay to uh, just share with us first then we can um, sort it out. And have the circuit breaker measures affected how you work, considering you can't meet people face-to-face right now? So as social workers, um, and dealing with the issue of family violence, at a, a point where uh, people are experiencing difficulty, it is definitely important to have that human touch, being physically present as a way of saying like, we as a society, we care for you as a victim, that we value you as a person and we acknowledge that what you're going through is not okay. And the most straightforward method is being physically there and say that I'm willing to spend my time with you. We are in this together. Uh, I'll be there to support you through it. So right now during Circuit Breaker, we're not able to do that so freely and thus we will have to really tap on um, on like families uh who the natural support of the victims to really do this piece of work where um, they will call in to check in. They will, um, if they are staying together, they will spend some time with the victim to uh, to buffer some of the impact on the victim to ensure that um, this human touch is still not lost during this period. So in the course of your work, has um, anyone told you that the pandemic or circuit breaker has been the major cause of increased family violence in your home? We do hear um, every now and then because due to the circuit breaker measures, it requires family to stay at home as much as possible and we are not supposed to meet people outside our household. And these measures are like, this is actually a breeding ground for recurrence of domestic violence because domestic violence thrives in secrecy and social isolation. So we hear like some people saying that the perpetrators are emboldened to use violence on them right now, knowing that uh, the victims themselves may be concerned about sharing with their families because they don't want them to worry and they felt like maybe um, nothing can be done at this period as they are also not as comfortable to move out to stay with elderly parents, which they are concerned that they may endanger them given the virus situation. Some victims also share with us that they feel very stressed at home given the increased um, roles and duties. Like last time, maybe they get a respite when children go to school and the perpetrator goes to work. And maybe only at night, that short period of time, they will need to uh, interact with the perpetrator and they are still able to keep interaction to the minimal and use like um, time apart as a method to manage the tension at home. But with circuit breaker, they're having all three meals together, seeing each other 24-7. So that limits the effectiveness of this particular method in managing the reset home. 
So I guess the longer amount of time you spend at home with an abuser just increases your chances of uh, more violence taking place? Yeah, not just that. Um, in terms, other than the increase in time spent together, there is also more duties at home right now. Because like, um, from because there's home-based learning, the victim may have to prepare all three meals, uh, help the children with home-based learning, and some victims actually share with us that because the perpetrator is also working at home, they themselves may also be working at home. They will have to like um discipline the children a bit more so that uh, there may not be there will not be issues where there is like increase in noise volume, etc. that cause the perpetrator to get angry and uh there is a recurrence of physical violence on the children again. Is there a profile of the kind of abusers that will act out more in this kind of situation? Maybe not so much on profile, but usually um some as in for some perpetrators who may have um who may be more impulsive or who may be uh who may deem that it is the wife's responsibility to keep uh children quiet. It is the wife's responsibility to ensure that everything is managed and uh they have an expectation that children are uh, very well behaved and will not make any noise, etc. Um, they may then feel that why aren't their spouse, why aren't their children following what is expected of them? And that gives them the right to get angry with them for not following what is supposed to be the normal, the norm. Have you encountered any particularly bad cases of family violence since the pandemic began? Maybe not especially bad, but we have cases where um we know that the family is actually at the on the route of recovery where they are considering re- reconciliation. They are working on um managing uh the tension at home, alternative communication patterns and um different ways of interaction. However, due to circuit breaker, things change. They couldn't keep up to whatever they are trying to sort out and some of them they consider that maybe it has reached a point of no return and maybe they just want to end the relationship. So there are these things that are happening. Yeah, it is not sort of due to circuit breaker, but circuit breaker does show them that when there is higher tension, maybe the relationship is not uh, strong enough to um, go through such issues in life. And are there any groups that you've had trouble reaching out to during this time? Um, there is a group of victims who are especially vulnerable. So this may be a group whom we have no way to contact them other than through home visits or visiting them at their workplace. This may be due to like their limitation in using um telephone or it may be due to the perpetrator's high controlling behavior that they will not um, find any pocket of time to provide us any update or to have a phone call with us. So for this particular group, uh, it is a black box to us during circuit breaker. Is anything being done to reach into this black box to help these groups of victims? Mm. So what happened before circuit breaker is for clients that we already know, uh, we did a phone call with them and asked them um, whether they still feel safe to stay at home. And if they don't, where are some alternative housing that they can consider? And if they do, uh, we work with them on coming up with a plan where 
maybe use opportunities when they go and tapau food or when they buy groceries to call us or their safety contact um, to provide some updates. And we also check in with the safety contact, the school counsellors and whoever else that are already working with them on whether there can be more neutral um, check-ins on what is happening at home so that if there is any triggers, we could respond faster. And what do you mean by neutral check-in? Uh, so like uh, children are having home-based learning, then they are already uh, video calling the school teachers. So some of the school teachers may weave in some questions to check in with the children on, so how have your day been, who is at home and all that. And then the school teachers are able to give us uh, input to say that uh, things are all right at home, the children has been attending home-based learning, uh, the background sounds quiet, uh, when the child need help, who and who came to support, etc. And speaking of vulnerable groups, are you also seeing more cases of elder abuse right now? In terms of elder abuse, we do hear our family sharing with us that previously, because the siblings, like the children are visiting, the the perpetrator who is um one of the children may not dare to be so um, obvious in a way that they treat mistreat the elderly. But due to circuit breaker, children are not able to visit. Then um, we do see, we do hear that some siblings felt like um, the tension has been increasing or the perpetrator has been um, mean to the elderly and yet there is nothing much they can do. And are victims of elder abuse harder to detect because they have trouble reaching out? So in terms of statistics, World Health Organization shared that in, for every one case of elder abuse being reported, there is 23 that goes unreported. And some of the main reason are due to like, it is like the last stage of their life. The perpetrator tend to be their children and they don't want their children to get into uh, any trouble. And perpetrators tend to say things like, oh, if you uh, were to report me, I will never ever see you again. Or like, your money is mine anyway, I'm just getting my inheritance. Or they may even say things like, after you die, I will not visit you and uh, I will not participate in whatever religious uh, ritual for your funeral. And to some elderly, they just find that it is difficult, especially for elderly who are dependent on their abuser. Then the choice is even harder. It is about staying in the community where they are familiar with, still being able to meet their friends versus being like abandoned they may get um, money through like maintenance of parents act, but they may be then left in a home where no one else visit them. So the resistance to report, um, the shame, the consequences make it difficult for elderly to report in the first place. And during circuit breaker, which elderly usually don't report to professionals, they report to their neighbor, to the auntie, uncle, they meet at the senior activity center or at the community center that they meet, then um, the information get passed on to us, then we intervene. And with circuit breaker, there isn't all this interaction. If anything were to happen, the chances of reporting drop significantly. So for those who are living with an abusive or potentially abusive um, family member, what should they do? If it is possible to call and seek help, I would strongly encourage them to call, be the home uh, home care hotline or any of the family service centre nearest to their home or any of us, the family violence specialist centre, 
to check in on their current situation. What can they do to increase their safety at home? Then maybe we can give some inputs on um, what are some actions they can take. And of course, if it is an emergency and if anyone um, life is in danger or there could be harm done, then uh, just call the police. If calling is not, not an option, they can actually consider texting to 71999, which will also trigger a 999 response from the police. So that's like an emergency SMS number you can use discreetly? Yes, like you can bring your phone to the toilet and do this, which some of our victims does. And for the hotlines, are any of them 24-7? A Comcare hotline is 24-7 if I'm not wrong. Moving on to how we can help victims of family violence, um, what should someone do if they think their friend, neighbor or relative is being abused? I would say if someone were to share with you that you issue of family violence, uh, it is important to stay with them, thank them for sharing with you and like encourage them to seek help early. Because when there is lesser harm done and there is lesser um, negative interaction within family members, it is it is easier for the family to reconcile. It's easier for the family to recover. Um, try not to judge the perpetrator, although like I think sometimes it's difficult because um, sometimes victims may feel bad that they are like talking bad about the perpetrator that they no longer share. Or some victims may feel like um, they are being judged for being silly to stay in the their current situation and then they stop sharing until like they have no choice, such as a police is already called in, the police saw some wounds and they need to explain why. Yeah, so just encourage them to continue to share with them. They can call us to get input or to encourage the victim to call us so that we can work with them. Should people trying to help ever confront the abusers or contact them directly? So breaking the secrecy of family violence in that sense, like telling the perpetrator, hey, um, your victim report that you have done, this is this, how can you do such thing, can actually increase the risk for victims. So usually we will do it in a controlled manner, um, ensuring that um, there is already a safety plan for the victim and the victim is in the know. It doesn't take them by surprise so that uh, it's easier to manage whatever action that the perpetrator may possibly do against the victim after the disclosure. And in your experience, um, is there ever any hope for reconciliation between the abusers and the abused in cases of family violence? It is possible as long as um, both parties are able to move towards a non-violence method of communication. Having said this, it is very much dependent on the perpetrator's willingness to consider alternatives to violence. Because sometimes we're thinking, maybe if the victim close one eye, give in a bit, maybe the relationship could still go on. It is the victim who say they want out from the relationship, which is not true. Because if the perpetrator could stop their behavior, could stop using violence, could use alternative method to express their desire of um to get what they want in life, then it is uh, more possible. It is it will actually uh resolve the whole issue of violence altogether. Because the moment the perpetrator stop using violence, um, there is no issue of violence. So whether there is hope, my answer is yes. We have seen many families, uh, but it takes effort from the perpetrator's side 
to really uh, decide to stop using violence and for the victim to be able to set good boundaries with the perpetrator to say that it is either you keep to a non-violent way of communication. If not, then it is just hard for us to continue. And on the issue of um, physical violence as opposed to uh, psychological or emotional violence, some people think that um, physical is always far worse than the other two. Is this uh, a myth that needs to be dispelled? Is it not true? Yeah, uh, it is definitely not true. Uh, psychological abuse uh, can cause someone to experience mental health issue moving forward because they are constantly on hypervigilant, they are unable to rest and it causes them to be very fearful of the unknown, not being able to try things. Not For children, they cannot learn well because they are constantly thinking about what may happen next, what will he do to me and what, what will happen to me if I don't watch out. And they may not be willing to try new things or they may even be very fearful to like um, consider alternative or like to do anything different because they're not sure what the perpetrator may do to them. And in terms of emotional abuse, uh, it affects self-esteem and it could possibly lead to thoughts of uh, suicide or attempts to self-harm or suicide. And we do see this happening in many family, like many victims that we serve. Yeah, so, and the reduced self-esteem, inability to make decisions uh, could actually cripple a person in their everyday life. That sounds like it's a downward spiral for those who begin to get abused and then start losing their self-esteem and progressively get more and more unable to dig themselves out of that hole. Yeah, it's like they are living in the reality that the perpetrator builds for them. The, the perpetrator may say, if you go out, this is this may happen to you. And when they constantly threaten the victim this way, the victim may then not be bold enough to step out to try or to seek help. Because the perpetrator may say, if you tell anyone about what happened, nobody's going to believe in you. They will just laugh at you. Then they will not seek help. And then that they are stuck in that Um reality that the perpetrator has set for them. For families or couples who are feeling an increase in tensions because of the amount of time they're spending together right now, what advice can you give them to help deal with their situation? If they are able to communicate with uh, each other in a calm manner, I would recommend that they sit down and talk out, like talk through the roles and responsibility, given that um, it's a a time of change. Um, there are many new norms in the household, whether they can uh, renegotiate some of these things so that everyone is clear like what will happen next, have a schedule, have a routine, have clear expectations so that there will not be like second guessing, there will not be a conflict that arise due to misunderstanding. If they cannot, then whether they can agree that when one person says, stop, I need a break, uh, the other person will give that someone time to cool down and um, they can at least um, reduce the chances of tension escalating to the point where um, they say nasty things to one another, they demean the other person or that they choose to use physical violence on the other person. With the circuit breaker lifting on June 1st, but a lot of the social distancing regulations and um, movement restrictions still being in place. Do you see the situation as improving over time? Um, 
we are not sure how this thing, um, whether there would still be an uh, increase in number of reporting, but we are hopeful that um, with all this heightened awareness that victim realize that why am I more stressed at home? Why am I feeling uh, more tense at home than usual? They are willing to step forth to seek help earlier and this could give us the opportunity to address those issues earlier on in the relationship than like when things has escalated to a point where it is just hard. And just to round things off, um, are there any gaps you see right now in how we view or deal with family violence that you hope will be addressed in the time to come? Um, I thought in terms of how society view the matter of family violence, it is improving or it's changing. And what I hope is really in the near future, we are able to see the issue of family violence, not just as a private affair, not just as a domestic affair, but more as a social issue, a social responsibility. Um, right now during Circuit Breaker, it is very encouraging that we hear uh, more members of the public calling to check in on um, like what can they do about the neighbor whom they do not know, what kind of assistance can be rendered. This shows that the societal norms are changing on how people view the issue of family violence. I hope that through this, this can continue and one day Singapore can reach the point where we view the issue of family violence as a societal issue. There is no bystander. Everyone will contribute and step in to sanction the perpetrator's behavior to say that, no, you cannot treat your family members this way. Well, thanks again for being on our show today, Christine. I think you've shed a lot of light on a very important issue. Thank you. And that's it for this week's episode of On The Mic. If you've enjoyed the show or found it useful, do log in and leave us a comment. Until next time, I'm Danny Osman, signing off. Thank you.